SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome to the morning after on a Thursday right here on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, channel 159, the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM and all across the SportsGrid network. I am Ben Stevens. A Thursday jam-packed show for you where we go all across the sports landscape. Early markets available for Super Bowl 56. We have some fun. We pit the star players against each other and make some selections for you to get down early in the prop market we look at the line movement for super bowl 56 as well the nfl coaching cycle never stops across the league and then we go around the association the nba picking up some steam right now as well as college hoops ahead of a huge thursday night especially out west in the pac 12. we do all that here on a thursday on tma and helping me do that in the opening hour of this program he is back like he never left. Donnie right side, Donnie Seymour, DRS, making this another edition of the early after, right here on the Spiz Grizz. DRS, great to have you back on the show. Thank you for joining us on this Thursday morning. Ah, feels good. And the thing I love about this best is we're starting to tune up here for the Super Bowl, but the NFL continues to give us unbelievable content, Ben, every single day. Happy to be here and talk about it. Let's have some fun. And Donnie, you know where I have to start because when you merge the NFL with the Big Ten Conference, that is where my focus is going to go. And there seemed to be some steam around the idea that Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh, after beating Ohio State for the first time, after winning the Big Ten Championship for the first time in his tenure in Ann Arbor and making the college football playoffs, said, yeah, I'm good. I want to get back into the NFL. And there was some mutual interest between Jim Harbaugh and a couple of NFL teams, but highlighted by the Minnesota Vikings. And he interviewed with the Vikings yesterday before we got the breaking news from Adam Schefter late last night that Michigan and Jim Harbaugh, well, they are back together once again. Jim Harbaugh calling Michigan yesterday saying, I am coming back to campus to be the head football coach of the Michigan Wolverines football program. Donnie, some speculation and some reporting around what exactly played out between Harbaugh and the Vikings. There was some reporting following this from Adam Schefter that they met for a long time yesterday, that being Jim Harbaugh and the Vikings brass, around a nine-hour meeting, and no offer was ever given to Jim Harbaugh. So maybe it wasn't his decision to return to Michigan, but more of a forced hand. What did you make of this news last night? I thought it was amazing, and I thought it would have been signed, sealed, and delivered that Harbaugh was going to the Minnesota Vikings because why is he taking this interview at all, you know, around the signing day, and particularly on mm. signing day where you know those last recruits there, last minute, like, hey, look, your coach is ready to leave. I might need to commit to another football team. But that Saturday early, that, you know, phone call, that take, hey, there's mutual interest here. Let's meet up. And as you said, a nine-hour interview here. I'm under the belief that he was flying in to take that job. And I need details, mm. Ben, on exactly what went wrong. Because I was thinking to think, hey, I'm going to go in there. Let's print up these contracts. A couple of discrepancies. Let's work them out. But there had been a major kink in the line here where this deal wasn't closed. And I need to know what that was. I do as well. Because on Sunday, we got reports out of the NFL circles that Jim Harbaugh expressed interest in taking the Minnesota Vikings job. And they shared that interest back 
with Jim, but he called A.D. Ward Manuel in Ann Arbor for Michigan Athletics and said, you don't have to worry about this in the future. I'm committed to Michigan. We shall see. A welcome to our Sports Grid Radio audience here. The opening hour of the morning after on a Thursday. Sirius XM Channel 159, our terrestrial radio affiliates as well. I am Ben Stevens with Donnie Wrightside for this opening hour. And then we bring you up until noon Eastern time. So Jim Harbaugh back in Ann Arbor as the head coach of the Michigan football program on National Signing Day. All of the very weird intricacies of this story, Donnie, that I'm sure we'll hear more about. But one of the ripple effects of that is now there's a new front runner in place to become the Vikings' next head coach, and that would be Kevin O'Connell, the offensive coordinator for the LA Rams, who has spent two years under Sean McVay as the OC in Los Angeles. He is the favorite. He is the front runner. If there was an odds perspective, Donnie, it would seem he would be in minus money right now, but the deal is not finalized and cannot be finalized until after the Super Bowl. No, you're right about that. And also, this is an interesting coaching search here because you had a couple finalists here, but at the last minute, you probably would realize from that tweet that comes out where O'Connell got the job after Harbaugh, I want to say, declined the job, which means late last week, Ben, what are we probably thinking? Yeah, he's already accepted the job. This is our guy. And hold up. We just got a phone call from Michigan, and Jim wants to come in and fly in and talk about this job. Let's put everything on hold because you saw how it unfolded fairly quickly last night. You had Harbaugh, the minute he flew out of town, Tweets come out and say, okay, here's the three finalists for the position. And a few minutes later, it was O'Connell already had the job. So this led me to believe by the end of like last week when those rounds of interviews were taking place, they already knew who their head coach was. But the last minute when a rock star calls, you have to take that meeting. And they probably did everything they can to try to sway Jim Harbaugh. But maybe it was just a little bit too much in the end. But it seems to me like they already had their guy and then went back to the plan B guy and hired him, which, again, you can't make official transfer to the Super Bowl, which is ridiculous. But it looks like he's going to be the head man here. And the Vikings, a very interesting team based on their 2021 season, eight and nine straight up, nine and eight against the spread. 14 of their first 15 games, Donnie, decided by single digits. A very peculiar team because their splits are pretty much even as a favorite four and four ATS as an underdog five and four against the spread at home four and four against the spread on the road five and four ATS an interesting team and we see what the path moving forward for Minnesota is we go to basketball next around the association in the NBA up next here on the morning app sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com Around the association, right here, right now, on a Thursday on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. Alongside Donnie Wrightside for the opening hour of TMA on this Thursday, I am Ben Stevens. Listen, football's winding down. I know I say it all the time here on this program, but we only have one more game, Super Bowl 56. Not this weekend, but next weekend. Yeah, if you're watching the Pro Bowl on Sunday, good for you. I will not be, but that means the focus shifts to basketball in the hardwood DRS. So as it shifts to that, you should also know we're already past the midway point of the season. Most teams have played into the low 50s of their 82 regular season games. And one of the hotter teams right now, especially in the Eastern Conference, 
the Boston Celtics, they keep winning basketball games. Now they've won 10 of their last 14 games, and they do so last night at home at TD Garden with a 113-107 win over the Charlotte Hornets. But, Donnie, this is the beautiful thing about gambling, right, and how sharp the lines are. The Celtics close as a six-and-a-half-point favorite, so they do not cover by the hook, but there it goes. The Celtics, though, winning a lot of basketball games. They've won three straight in five of their last six. Yes, and also you keep in mind, like, betting and how these games actually play out. If you're watching this game, which both myself and Kevin were doing on radio, this game was tied up late in the fourth quarter under a minute to go. So the fact of the matter is if you're sitting on that six-and-a-half price, you're like, hey, man, this looks pretty good, or five-and-a-half or six, whatever you got at, there should have been no way you got to that level but a 113-107 finish. Now, here's the interesting part about the Boston Celtics that we continuously bring up. How can these two continue to play together, Tatum and Brown? We've seen them go off for 30 points apiece, high 20s apiece, and that's usually a recipe for success for the Boston Celtics to win. How about last night? 19 points for Tatum, only 15 for Brown, and they both struggled for the majority of that game and were yeah. still able to win this one. The one thing also, you know, pointing out, if you're in the betting market for taking, like, points, rebounds, assists, or points and assists, the one guy that always gets that high usage right there for Charlotte, how about last night with LaMelo Ball? 38 yeah. points in that basketball game, coupled with nine assists. He was sensational. Sometimes, man, I like to say we take out the crystal ball. How about if I told you both, you know, Tatum and Brown are under 20 points and LaMelo had 38. Oh, man, give me the point. Matter of fact, I don't even need the points. Just give me the money line in that game. Not so fast. Yeah. Nice win by the Celtics when not everything was working in order for them. Only eight guys saw the floor last night for Boston recording minutes, but six of those eight guys scoring in double figures. So yeah. although Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown didn't have huge games, they got some support from the rest of the team last night. And Boston, as I mentioned, won five of their last six. Last night, not covering by the hook, but it's the only time in those five wins here in this recent stretch that Boston hasn't covered. This was the first time for the Hornets, Donnie, as an underdog in their last six games. But in their last five games, when booked as a dog, they have covered in all five. 22-13 and 13 ATS as an underdog this year. If you see the buzz as a dog this year, very, very profitable when betting Charlotte when booked as an underdog. Not far away from us here, Donnie, in Midtown Manhattan at Madison Square Garden last night. A marquee game for John Morant to show off with the Memphis Grizzlies, and they do so in a win over the New York Nets. Wasn't the greatest game Jaw has ever put forth, but still 23 points and nine assists for Jaw last night. And that was enough for the Grizzlies to cruise to a victory, honestly, 120-108 over the New York Knicks. Memphis covers as a four-point road favorite, and Donnie, they continue to add on to their best ATS mark in the NBA. Now 35 and 19 against the number for a team that is 36 and 18 straight up. Yeah, two things about this game. Memphis Grizzlies, they're for real. That's a good basketball club. 36 and 18 in the season. Now 17 and 9 away from home. But if you take a look at the mm. Knicks, you're supposed to win that basketball game. They now go to 24 and 28 on the season. And in the world's most famous arena, Ben, 13 and 15 at home. And sometimes I just can't figure out what the Knicks do on a night-to-night -night basis. It's not the starting lineup that baffles me. It's the fact that Tom Thibodeau loves the bench a little bit too much. And we see it so many times, Ben. And I've seen this, you know, pattern now for the New York Knicks for a while. You have the bench in. Let's just say your starters are down 
15 points heading into the fourth quarter. The bench makes that move and gets it to, let's just say, within seven or eight points. Most NBA coaches then say, thank you, bench. You did exactly what you're supposed to do. Let me get the starters back in here. Case in point last night, they're down 10. They cut it to five. They left the bench in there. It's back up to 10 points. The starters can't overcome that. Two bets I had in the game last night. I actually had Desmond Bain over 18 and a half points. Finished with 13, which is a minor miracle because I do believe he entered late into that game in the third quarter with only three points. So I lost that bet. But also coming back on Evan Fournier last night. Sometimes, Ben, we also take a look at leveling up in buckets here. His prop was over two. Two and a half, three points made at a minus 111 price. Crushed that. So mm-hmm. then I say to myself, why don't we go for four, five, or even six three-pointers to cash that ticket? Well, beggars can't be choosers. It worked out one way. But getting back to the Knicks, something has to change here, Ben, with the Knicks. This is unacceptable after the season they had just last year. They've lost six of their last eight games now, Donnie. Like you mentioned, just 13 and 15, even against the spread at home this year in the world's most famous arena where the Knicks perennially have been very, very good. Here's the thing that fascinates me about Memphis. They have won four of their last five games. They have covered in all four of those wins. In fact, Memphis has won 17 of their last 21 NBA basketball games, and they have covered in all but one of those 17 wins. There's a reason why they are 36 and 18 straight up, and their ATS record isn't all that much different at 35 and 19. So John Morant, 23 points, nine assists last night. He is now 10 to one to win the NBA MVP, the fifth best odds in that marketplace. But he was 30 to one, Donnie, just about three weeks ago, steadily climbing up that board. Joel Embiid, now the favorite at plus 230. Nikola Jokic behind him with the second best price at plus 330. And then you'll see Giannis and Steph tied for the third best odds at plus 310. Donnie, in your mind, is there value anywhere in that NBA MVP market? It's great that you bring it up, too, because it's a fun thing to talk about now. As we talk about the PGA Tour Saturday, right, moving day, it now seems like we're into yeah. those moving days for NB, for the NBA MVP. Joel Embiid at that plus 30 price here. Now, look, being a Philadelphia fan, he has been absolutely amazing. He is the reason why they're going to maybe challenge for the top overall seed in the Eastern Conference and also the reason why a lot of that Ben Simmons talk is on the back burner because how well he's playing. If he gets injured, which we've seen quite a few times where that near back flares up for him and misses a couple games he might be able to drop but usually I like to say the usual suspects are up there Embiid Jokic Anthony Kupo Curry Morant Devin Booker I know Kevin talked about earlier a look at Chris Paul all the way down at over what 65 to 1 at that price for trying to win because you're taking a look at usually the best players on the best teams are involved in this that market is fascinating up top I started the season Ben with a Steph Curry ticket in my pocket at 12 to 1 He's at a plus 410, but let's keep in mind, just a few short weeks ago, he was the favorite, like plus 150 or so to win the MVP. The market is fascinating here, but if Joel Embiid continues to play at a high level, he can't be left out there. And I do agree with the FanDuel Sportsbook. He should be in the lead for the MVP right now. Yeah, Steph was pretty short just about two weeks ago, plus 150, plus 185 even. And then Giannis was the favorite before JoJo jumped up after this recent tear that he has been on. You'll see LeBron James down the board a little bit at 42 to 1, but we haven't seen LeBron James, Donnie, on the floor in the last four games for the LA Lakers. They entered last night on a three-game losing skid without LeBron at home against the Portland Trailblazers, and the Lakers finally get a win, beating the Blazers 99-94. Also their first time, Donnie, booked as a favorite without LeBron in this recent stretch, and they cover slightly as a four-point home favorite against Portland. 
Yeah, nice comeback, too, in the fourth quarter. And also, when you keep in mind, you know, defense matters in the fourth quarter. 27 points for the Los Angeles Lakers, only 19 for the Portland Trailblazers. But I like more than the win itself here. LeBron James is going to come back. He's going to be healthy for the stretch run. If you are an L.A. Lakers fan or a coach or even in that front office, you got to love the way Anthony Davis has come back off of this injury because you're expecting to make a run in the playoffs. It's built on one LeBron and number two, Anthony Davis. That's a great point. A huge game for AD last night. 30 points, 15 boards. Had a positive plus minus out there as well. You need to find some silver linings even without LeBron James because LeBron has been the person carrying the Lakers up until this point. Neither team, by the way, great against the number. The Lakers did cover last night, but just 22 and 30 ATS. The Blazers even worse, 21 and 31 against the spread. An early look at the Super Bowl prop market. Let's have some fun up next here on TMN. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. A Thursday here on the morning after on Sports Grid, and one day closer to Super Bowl 56. Not this Sunday, but next Sunday. Out in the City of Angels in Los Angeles at SoFi Stadium. I am Ben Stevens. He is Donnie Wrightside. Both of us will be in LA next week, live on Radio Row, all week long on behalf of Sports Grid for your Super Bowl coverage. DRS is going to be there. Front and center and Donnie right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook they're giving us some very enticing match bets comparing some of the stars for Super Bowl 56 based on yardage touchdowns receptions whatever it might be so let's have some fun here and compare those player props while also correlating the markets to give you the early edges you might have still over a week out from Super Bowl 56. And Donnie, a lot of the attention in this Super Bowl will be played to the number one wide receivers on both sides. The number one wide receiver in the NFL for the LA Rams, that would be Kahooper Cup, who has been just dismantling record books all year long. On the other side, it's the rookie wide receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals in Jamar Chase, who has had one of the more outstanding rookie seasons we have seen and will win the Offensive Rookie of the Year award in the NFL you pair those two guys up Donnie for who will have more receiving yards in Super Bowl 56 right now the FanDuel Sportsbook unsurprisingly as every odd about Cooper Cup is generally pretty heavily juiced Cooper Cup to have more receiving yards minus 180 over Jamar Chase as you approach these match bets how do you handicap it DRS yeah, and, and I talked about it a little bit earlier on the early line. It's not out, it's just don't outsmart yourself because, and it starts with a common foundation. If I'm looking towards this game and I want to bet the game, right? Uh, early in the week, and still early in the week for the Super Bowl, technically, because it's a, not a one week layoff, it's a two week layoff, so we have to get ready. I still think the Rams are the better football team, and I think the Rams are going to win. Also, when you take a look at offensive defensive matchups, I think the Rams' offense is going to be a little bit easier to move the football against Cincinnati's Bengals' defense as opposed to vice versa, where you're going to have, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals' offense going up against the Rams. If we take a look, Ben, at what I think makes sense, you know, you're seeing the prices there, right? Top targets, Cooper Cup, minus 180, Jamar Chase at a plus 140. Yeah. It should be that way because if you're thinking the Rams win this game, 
the big component of their offense is Matthew Stafford to Cooper Cup. Sure, Cam Akers can be good, and Sony Michelle can have a nice game on the ground, or Odell Beckham Jr. can catch seven or eight balls for around 100 yards. But we know the factor of this, and to break it down again, keep it simple, if Cooper Cup finishes with six targets, four catches, 48 yards, Cincinnati won that Super Bowl. i got news for you here. Yep. So if you're trying to lay the foundation in your prop bets, think of who you're gonna win, who's going to win this football game if you like the over or the under for the game, and also which side do you think is actually going to move the football more efficiently than the other side? And to me, everything lines up, Ben, for the Rams for me. Then even though that price, and we're just looking in the props market here for actually targets, Cooper Cup is going to be a big deal. Now, you can take that contrarian approach and say, okay, Cooper Cup's going to get his. And if you do think the Rams are going to win this game, that means in the fourth quarter, Cincinnati's going to be down and throwing the football constantly here. So that would be your angle to take Jamar Chase, where maybe he's behind two or three targets in the fourth quarter, but the Rams are running out the clock when the Cincinnati Bengals are going to run 15 more plays, 14 of them being passes. I can see that route. But early in the week, early in the Super Bowl process, I'm looking more towards Rams props for myself here, Ben, than I would be towards Cincinnati Bengal props. I mean, Donnie, when you think about this game, Everything has to line up. Whatever game flow you expect, whatever game script you expect to see inside SoFi Stadium two Sundays from now, make that make sense to how you approach the prop market as well. Don't have one thing like the Rams are going to win this game, but the Bengals are going to put up more offensive yards or the Rams are going to struggle and not cover the spread, but I think Matthew Stafford throws for 400. That doesn't really line up. Everything can follow the same suit. And if you're contradicting yourself to have different angles of attacking the Super Bowl, that's probably not the smartest approach for your handicapping. And when you see Cooper Cup in this match bet against Jamar Chase at minus 180, it makes sense because you can just compare the receiving yards props. And Cooper Cup is at an outstanding number that I don't think the FanDuel Sportsbook can make high enough at 104 and a hook. Jamar Chase, meanwhile, is it 78 and a half? They even have a match bet spread for this, Donnie, where Cooper Cup is the favorite by 26 and a half receiving yards. So that's how you look at all of these markets as they correlate to one another. And as we discussed, Cooper Cup going over 104 and a half receiving yards. He's done that in the last two playoff games for the Rams 183 against Tampa, 142 last week against the San Francisco 49ers, went over 104 and a half in a ridiculous 11 of 17 games this year for the LA Rams. Matthew Stafford's favorite target by a mile. Also on the other side, Jamar Chase over 78 and a half in the first two postseason games for the Bengals, but just six other times throughout the regular season. I bring that up though, Donnie, because Jamar Chase might present you some opportunities in an alternate receiving yards prop market when that comes up because every time he has gone over 78 and a half this year, he has had at least... 97 receiving yards. So there are other ways to find plus money on Jamar Chase as opposed to maybe betting him against Cooper Cup. He did score a touchdown last week, as you saw, against the Kansas City Chiefs, his first touchdown reception in the postseason. So, Donnie, if those are the star targets on both sides, number one wide receiver, Cooper Cup, against number one wide receiver, Jamar Chase, we could also look at the secondary weapons in the receiving market for both quarterbacks. That would be T. Higgins on one side for Cincy and Odell Beckham Jr. on the other for L.A. Now, this is an intriguing price, in my opinion, Donnie, on OBJ at plus 125, as I would not 
advise you to take the plus 140 on Jamar Chase versus Cooper Cup. I do believe that plus money price on OBJ is rather enticing. Yeah, I'm big on OBJ. I am, and I've been making some money off him because as he's, you know, acquainted himself with that Rams offense, each and every week it seems like its usage rate gets bigger and certainly playing on the biggest stage. One of those guys, because you still have to look at these people as human beings. How many times do the New York Giants, you got to feed them early, you got to keep them happy. You know, this, the Cleveland situation where he's not getting a target until late in the second quarter, he's already checked out of this game. Doesn't it make sense, Ben, early and often in this game? So, you know what? We're going to take a deep shot with Odell Beckham. We're going to throw him a quick mm. slant here. So, by the end of the first quarter, he's got two catches for seven yards. You say, that doesn't seem like a lot, but he's already involved himself in the process. And also, when we take a look at sometimes betting at the wide receiver position, you talked about like, the upper echelon guys like Cooper Cup and Jamar Chase in this game. Let's just take a look at Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Odell Beckham. What do we like about those big playability here? If you go into this game and you say, I like Jamar Chase because I think he can get, let's just say, 100 yards. You're at the half. He has 37 yards. Most times, like, oh, man, that's that's not working out that well. What's he going to finish up with? 56 yards here? It only takes one big play, and they can give it to you. The same way we talk about Tyreek Hill, who's now been knocked out for the Kansas City Chiefs. He could enter the fourth quarter with 37 yards and finish, Ben, yep. with 137 yards. It's the same thing with Cooper Cup. If you're looking even at his player reception total, which is 8.5 at plus 104 right now at the FanDuel Sportsbook, he enters into the fourth quarter with four catches. You know what? Oh, man, I don't think he's going to be able to get it. And all of a sudden, the next drive, he's targeted five times for four catches, and off you're going. When you're looking at these guys, even secondary options, because to myself, when you look at Odell Beckham, sure, he's a secondary option, but I would be shocked if he's not getting eight, nine, ten targets here in the Super Bowl. Why? Because Cincinnati is going to focus on so much Cooper coverage, Cooper Cup coverage, rolling, playing double teams here that you have no choice that Odell Beckham is one-on-one -on, -one on the outside, and he's not going up against Jalen Ramsey. Over. Five and a half total receptions for Odell Beckham Jr. in the Super Bowl right now. Is it plus 120? He was targeted 11 times last week against the Niners as that secondary option across the field from Cooper Cup. And it's a secondary option, but it's not like you're taking Cooper Cup away because, again, he had 11 grabs on 14 targets for 142 yards against the Niners. Donnie, those total receptions props right now that both have plus money to the over for Cooper and Odell are very intriguing to me because you can correlate Cooper Cup going over eight and a half total receptions in which he has done in his last two games when he also went over his receiving yards prop of 104 and a half. He also went over eight and a half total receptions nine times throughout the regular season. And in seven of those nine games, he went over his receiving yards prop for Super Bowl 56 of 104 and a hook. And again, when it pertains to Odell Beckham Jr. matching up against T. Higgins in this market, T. Higgins prop, 69 and a half. Odell Beckham Jr.'s receiving yards prop, 63 in a hook, which Odell has gone over in two straight, as has T. Higgins on the other side against the Titans and the Chiefs for the Bengals. But Odell Beckham Jr., only six yards behind and at a juicy plus money price of plus 125. Quickly here, Donnie, let's take... A look at the running backs for this matchup because their rushing yards props are very, very close. Cam Akers, 64 and a hook, up four yards from earlier in the week. Joe Mixon, just one yard behind at 63 and a half. No match bet available pitting these two against each other yet, but I ask you, Donnie, in this theoretical match bet, who do you think has a better chance of going over? 
Yeah, for me, myself, I would take Cam Akers. And Joe Mixon is the better running back. Trust me on this one. But at the same time, let's take a look at how the pathway to victory is going to be. It's really hard to run against the Rams. So Joe Mixon breaks off a couple runs. Okay, he has a legitimate chance to get that 63-and-a-half. But for my money, it would be Cam Akers. And also, again, as we talked about you know, during the show, if you think the Rams are going to win the football game here, that means you think the Rams are probably going to be up a touchdown or so in the fourth quarter. So four minutes to go, up a touchdown. Sure, Matthew Stafford might roll out of the pocket and throw a couple passes to keep the drive alive. But that's more or less Cam Akers getting the football, maybe for an extra three to four carries to push him over that number. And I know we're talking about running backs here, but let's also keep it on the ground with quarterbacks. Joe Burrow, over 11 and a half yards, which is up from 10 and a half. A devastating pass rush for the Rams. Usually forces you out of the pocket. I think he can get over that number two as well as a quarterback running on the ground here, Ben. The Rams rush defense, Donnie, in the postseason, only allowing 54 yards per game yeah. to their opponent. Meanwhile, on the other side for Cincy, over 127 per game. Every team has rushed for at least 100 yards throughout the postseason. Now we go to the quarterbacks up next here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All of the Super Bowl props your little heart could desire right here on a Thursday on the morning after on Sports Grid, Sirius XM, Channel 159, and all across the Sports Grid Network. I am Ben Stevens with Donnie Wrightside for the entirety of this opening hour. DRS, one of the co-hosts of The Early Line, each and every weekday morning, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern Time, alongside Kevin Walsh to lead into us here on the morning after. So, DRS, we just talked about the wide receivers in the matchup in Super Bowl 56 between the Rams and the Bengals. We quickly touched on the running backs, and you even brought up the rushing yards prop of one quarterback for Cincinnati in Joe Burrow. Matthew Stafford's is five and a half, by the way. He's gone over that in every postseason game so far. All three for the LA Rams, who are a four and a half point favorite in Super Bowl 56 with an over-under at 48 and a half, which I think Donnie leads to the idea of passing might be on display come Super Bowl Sunday in just over a week. And Matthew Stafford's yardage prop up a little bit early in this week now to 281 in a hook on the FanDuel Sportsbook. Joe Burrow just behind by a couple of yards at 276 and a half. Any of those numbers intriguing to you, DRS? I mean, look, if you think again that the Cincinnati Bengals are going to be losing in this game, it's advantageous to take a quarterback and Joe Burrow over 276 and a half yards. I think that does make sense. But at the same time, is this going to be one of those carbon copies that we saw, you know, two weeks ago where Joe Burrow got sacked nine times in a game against Tennessee? Mm. That's This defensive line is every bit as good, if not even much better, than that Tennessee front four. So that's the interesting part I'm looking forward to. So if I'm looking from a betting perspective, Matthew Stafford, 281 and a half, it does make sense also. But even if that pressure is really ratcheted up against Cincinnati, their pathway to victory is not so much saying, hey, you know, let's give Nixon the ball 25 times and see if he can get 90 yards. You got to go toe-to-toe. And the thing that you also like as well, which we can't look past, in the playoffs, we're seeing games in Green Bay, freezing cold temperatures, rainy forecasts here. 
We're in the Super Bowl. We're yeah. in L.A. We're in a dome. So it's not as if we have to worry about, like, hey, is Joe Burrow going to wear two gloves on his hands this weekend in two-degree weather? We're not going to have those issues here. And also keep in mind another thing. Two really good head football coaches going out this weekend. Great game planners. So maybe you have the extra week to say, hey, how can we deal with that nasty pass rush for the Rams? It's not as if the Cincinnati Bengals are going to come in this game at the end of the first quarter, Bengo. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, Aaron Donald's really good. We didn't see this coming. They know what's coming here. Maybe extra blockers being kept in. You know, tight ends chipping, running backs chipping, which leads more pass it, passing attempts and short passing attempts, as we like to say, as an extension of the running game. I have to tell you, Joe Burrow, 276 and a half. Even if I think they can't win this game, he should be able to get that number for me, Ben. Which is really interesting, Donnie, because in the only game that he went over this number in the playoffs so far was that game against Tennessee where he was sacked. And you look at Joe Burrow's stats so far throughout these playoffs for Cincinnati. Donnie, my mind has always been, if the Bengals win, Joe Burrow is going to throw for a ton of yards. That's what we saw in four of the final regular season games when he was over this number. And so far throughout the postseason against Las Vegas, 24 of 34, 244 yards, two touchdowns. Against the Titans, 28 of 37, 348 not a touchdown, but an interception. And then against Kansas City, Donnie, I felt pretty similarly that if the Bengals were to pull off the upset, not just cover a seven-point spread, but win outright as they did, Joe Burrow would have to go over his passing yards prop, which last weekend was around 280. He did not. He only finished with 250 yards on 23 of 38 passing, two touchdowns, and an interception. So I think it's interesting, Donnie, that idea of correlating the markets of thinking Joe Burrow has to go over his passing yards prop for the Bengals to pull off another outright upset victory versus looking at what has happened. But I think you could also break down the same thing for Matthew Stafford because his passing stats so far this postseason have been very, very good. Over his number of 281 and a half in the last two games for the LA Rams. Well over in the last two games. 337 last week against the Niners. 366 a week before against the Bucks. He has thrown two touchdowns in every game, Donnie, and last week against the Niners, his first interception so far this postseason. So Matthew Stafford is another area to focus, especially as you look at the passing yards props for Super Bowl 56. No, he's done it both ways, too, right in the playoffs. We've seen games where he was able to just manage it and say, hey, let me throw less than 20 passes, and then I need to hit the gas pedal against teams like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and also do it in big moments because the one thing that you're getting to the Super Bowl stage, and this isn't some what we've seen where Patrick Mahomes, I've ah, been there, done that, or Tom Brady's been there dozens of times, it feels like. These are two quarterbacks here with not a lot of playoff success that are actually made it through the AFC, made it through the NFC, got some of those butterflies out, but you're still – Two weeks. This is the biggest stage you're going to play on. Do we see maybe some trepidation over the first quarter? Are we feeling it out? Are these two guys just going to come in guns blazing like, yeah, we were born to be on this spotlight and play in this football game. That's the only thing that worries me a little bit because if you're looking for, let's just say, a total in the game to go over or you're looking for Joe Burrow or Matthew Stafford to go over their passing numbers, it doesn't help there in the first quarter, a three to nothing game where now you're into it saying like, okay, this team is decent. The other team is decent. Still have some nerves in here. Let's just not make that mistake. You would love it to have an opening drive for the Cincinnati Bengals, go right down the field and punch it in, because not only does that give confidence to the Bengals and Joe Burrow, but also shows Matthew Stafford, hey, I can't manage this game. i got to go win it, and that's what I'd like to see. Early scoring in this game, even if it's two straight field goal drives for both of these teams, I want to see some success early. That'll help me get over those totals.
Donnie, you speak about success early, and there is a marketplace pertaining to the QBs in this Super Bowl that fascinates me based on the juice and the prices you have to pay or could potentially benefit from depending on the first passing attempt for both Matthew Stafford and for Joe Burrow on the other side. Let's start with Stafford because it's a market that's interesting and up right now, newly available on the FanDuel Sportsbook as of last night. The result of Matthew Stafford's first pass attempt, a completion, incomplete, or intercepted. So those are the two options. Will it be completed? Yes. Or will it not be completed slash be intercepted by the other team? And look at the juice. A yes for it to be a completion is minus 320. It's plus 245 the either way for a ball to be tipped, a receiver to run a bad route, an overthrow, a drop. To me, it seems like if you have just that option on one singular play to get plus 245, anything could happen on that first passing attempt. I kind of like the juice that the FanDuel Sportsbook is giving you there. Yeah, it's kind of interesting here. Did Sean McVay and maybe Zach Taylor say they're going to run Spider 2 Y banana and just leak it out of the backfield for a quick three-yard pass play in the flat? Because those are some crazy prices. You're right. Like, And also, let's take a look. It's not every coach's philosophy to say, let me get my quarterback in rhythm here. Maybe some of these coaches come on the grand stage and say, how about this? Play, action, pass. I'm taking a shot deep to Odell Beckham Jr., which, A, if he catches it, great. If there's a flag, fantastic. But, C, we're just going to show him we are going to be aggressive in this game. I agree with that. So I would look more towards the other things happening at that point as opposed to just the completion. Yeah, Donnie, we had Bill Krakenberger on the show earlier on Tuesday this week. He loves his Super Bowl props, and he is one of the sharpest in the industry. been doing it for a very long time and he highlighted this point that if a book is giving you a yes no option for a prop based on the game and the no has a good outcome with a really good price oftentimes sprinkling a little bit on that outcome makes sense and it's the same for Matthew Stafford as you can see there minus 320 and plus 245 as it is for Joe Burrow to be a completion on his first pass at minus 300 is a pretty heavily juiced number on the other hand to be incomplete or to be intercepted is plus 220 it's a yes no market for the most part and you have only two outcomes available although there is technically three but two betting possibilities one is heavily juiced the other has a lot of plus money available and Donnie, you're right it's not in every coach's dna to say all right we're going to set you up with a quick screen pass to get you in your flow or a quick check down to a running back to make sure you see the first ball be complete and then you take off running from there but you can base it on completion percentages, which for Joe Burrow and Matthew Stafford hover in the high 60s. And you have a game script heading into a Super Bowl where your first 15 to 20 plays are planned and almost rehearsed by that time. So the odds would indicate that the first pass should be a completion of some sort, but there's a lot that could go wrong that would keep you from cashing a minus 320 or minus 300 ticket and then present a world of opportunity with that plus money just all of these markets right now available for different ways of approaching the Super Bowl so Donnie I ask you then with all of these props already up and they've been up since Monday afternoon when do you start to dive in on all of these prop markets 
Yeah, and most people say, well, oh, you might miss these numbers. Or you got to get involved. And I understand that. These numbers are going to move rapidly. And maybe some of those things where you just sit it out and say, hey, I like this one before. Now the price is a little bit too high. The market's moved where maybe two or three yards either direction, which you could still come in on the unders at that point. But most people betting the Super Bowl, enjoying their parties out here without really handicapping, are going to say, I want to take overs, over in yardage, overs in touchdown passes, over on rushing and receiving and stuff like that. Next week is when I start to settle in because I need to see a little bit more out of the practice reports and coming in and getting a feel for the game. And if that means, Ben, that I lose a yard or two, but still feel confident in that wager where, oh, man, I took it last Tuesday, and now I don't like it so much here at this point. Those numbers are going to move, but you can still get advantageous numbers. And if you don't, still like the price points that you get them, even though they're not the best. But at the same time, as the philosophy that you used, some people sit it out, Ben, all the way up to a game time and say, hey, you like Cooper Cup at 94 and a half yards. Now it's at 96. Now it's at 98. Now it's at 104. I'm going to take the under now because if they price that market at 95 yards and it sits at 105, I don't care. Hey, I'll take those 10 yards and say I'll sit on the under now. So there's two ways you can play it here up to the Super Bowl. Right, and I think early on the approach might be overs and then as the public gets more enhanced in those prop markets and you might see some steam rise up a receiving yards prop from Cooper Cup, which is already at 104.5 to 107.5, then maybe you work in market contradiction. And there's another area, Donnie, and we've already seen the passing yards props move in Matthew Stafford's favor from 278 and a hook with an opener now to 281 and a half. Both of the passing attempts prop for both Joe Burrow and Matthew Stafford, the same exact number, 36 and a half. And here's what stands out to me, Donnie. Not great passing defenses for both of these teams, both ranking in the bottom 12. The Rams giving up nearly 239 yards per game through the air to their opponent. Cincinnati, more than that, nearly 248. In both teams, the same exact metric, tied for the third most passing attempts by their opponents all year long. Their opponents averaging more than 37 passing attempts per game. And thus you see 36 and a half in that passing attempts market. Yep, same thing that we're taking a look at. You have to equate what you think is going to take place in this ball game. If you think the Rams are winning, because these numbers are sharp. They're not made. They didn't just pick these out of a hat and be like, you know what? This feels right. Let's right. go ahead with this. You're talking about a team in a game where you think the Rams are going to win. So therefore, okay, those last three minutes of the game, which is usually where these are factored in, where you saying, I need one more pass out of Stafford, but they're up 10 points. He's not going to throw. Or I need two more attempts here from Joe Burrow. Great. There's 42 seconds left. They're down 10 points. He's going to dink and dunk it down the field. I'm going to get this here. So if you think the Bengals are going to win this game, or if you think the Rams are going to win this game, that's going to correlate exactly what you think those over-under on completions will be as well, or passing attempts, we should say. Donnie just said it right there. These numbers are sharp. They take in everything that we have seen this year. Both teams have already played 20 football games in this NFL season. Joe Burrow over 36 and a half in the most recent two playoff games. That's the same for Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford's number is interesting. Over in two of the three in the postseason, under in the final five of the regular season, but over in seven of the 12 to start the regular season for the Rams. All of this taken into the equation in the prop market. When do you dive in? Let's find out from you, the public, up next here on The Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
All throughout this first hour of the morning after on a Thursday here on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159, Donnie Wright, side of myself, Ben Stevens, have been discussing when to dive into the prop market for Super Bowl 56. Still over a week away, but we wanted to hear from you. When does the public get involved? When do you start to sprinkle in all the various markets available for a Super Bowl? To round out our number one, we find out from you. It's time to fade the public. So, Donnie, that was the gist of the question, right? When will you make your first bet on the Super Bowl? You already have this upcoming weekend, next week, middle of the week, or wait until Super Bowl Sunday in game day. And the public, a, a rather surprising number here, in my opinion, out of the four options available, 36% of the public, Donnie, saying they already have of this ongoing and active poll at SportsGrid TV on Twitter. The second next option is there at next week, and then 25% or so waiting until Super Bowl Sunday. Donnie, I already know I've made a bet for Super Bowl 56. I know I'm sure you've leaned into a couple numbers as well. What do you make of the public's responses here? Yeah, very, we got a very sharp following here at Sports Grid. that 35.5% there that already have made a bet, so they know they're clear cut. But I got to tell you, I really love the 25% of the bottom there of game day. That is the fan base that I love that says, you know what, I'm going to relax. And when all the boys come over, the family comes over, we're going to crack open that laptop and really get to work. So I respect that 25% out here. But I do have to agree with the public here, the 35%. Good for you for already getting in and trying to beat those numbers. That is half the battle. I like it. The bet I have already made, Joe Mixon, over 25 and a half receiving yards. Crack open the laptop, crack open a couple of Bud Lights, maybe, whatever it may be. I know Donnie Wrightside and I will do that yeah. in Los Angeles this upcoming week. We'll be there for Super Bowl coverage, DRS. Until I see you out in the City of Angels, thanks so much for your time on this Thursday. The superstar is on his way, Ben. I got you covered out there. Yeah. The face of the program, Donnie Wrightside, that is for sure. <laughs> Our number two up next. 